Sounders, keep your shades anchored and where they belong during life's greatest feats. Head to soundergoods.com and use promo code KTTC to get 10% off and free shipping with any order. You're listening to the Keef to the City podcast. Here's Neil Keith. All right, so the Yankees returned home after their uh, sort of short six-game road trip to Cleveland and Toronto, where they salvaged the back end of that road trip, winning uh, the, the taking two out of three in Toronto and uh, that last game in Cleveland to finish three and three on the road trip. Which going into it, you like to win, you like to go four and two, but three and three you'll take after how it started. And they head home and they returned home for a ten-game homestand that started out with a sweep of the Twins. And uh, joining me today to talk Yankees baseball, as we do with every Yankees homestand, is uh, Bald Vinny, Vinny Milano from the Right Field Bleacher Creatures. You know him from uh, Roll Call and Section Two Hundred Three, and also the Bald Vinny House of Tees, which is located on River Avenue outside Billy Sports Bar. Vin, how's it going today? I'm doing good today, Neil. Thank you very much for having me on again. i got to apologize for not having much of a voice. <laughs> Usually we do we do these like before the homestand. <laughs> uh, I've already got three roll calls in, uh, so it, it's been a little, little rough, and we'll try to make it through. Yeah, I know. Uh, I was uh, I was away, and then uh, with the night games, uh, the scheduling didn't work out. So here we are. We're doing it on uh, the night of uh, the sweep of the Twins finished off here. And to start this homestand, you know, with the way Toronto's been playing and with their sort of easy schedule um, over the last few games, aside from the Yankees, they played Oakland. They're playing in Philly right now. So they've sort of had a chance to beat up on the bad teams in the league, and the Yankees really had to get hot and stay hot on this homestand. And you look at these teams with Minnesota, who they took care of business, and now Cleveland for four games, then Houston. I was thinking going into this thing, you want to do at least seven and three, eight and two, but now I feel like the three are out of the way. Eight and two is sort of a must at this point. Definitely. That's what we were talking about uh, at, the, at the start of this homestead on Monday. Uh, you know, just general chatter on the avenue with some of the guys I like to chat baseball with. Uh, you know, we thought this was going to be like a, a definitely an eight and two homestand. Uh, you know, we, we take care of business the way last homestand ended uh, with the Red Sox series and then getting swept by Toronto, uh, and then going up to Cleveland and dropping those first two. Like, the middle of that Cleveland series, I was like, oh, oh man, what are we going to talk about on the next podcast? Because pretty much all year long, we've almost been waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, you know, pretty much since, like, the start of the season, right? You know, we've... We've been questioning how far we, how we even got this far. Are we playing above our potential? Are we really this good? Um, and then, you know, to falter at that particular time, like everybody knows baseball, you get high, you get cold. Um, it's part of the game. It's part of this, a very long season. Um, that's kind of why I like baseball as opposed to like football where you have two bad weeks and your whole season is done. Um, so yeah, it, it just happened to come for us at a bad time. Maybe it's going to make the, the pennant race a little bit more interesting. Uh, but I'm glad to see that we righted the ship uh, on the road, and we're taking that winning, you know, to the homestand with Swift Twins. That, that's a good start. And uh, like I said, yeah, Cleveland's before. I want to do, do a little bit of damage. I was a little disappointed with our with our trip uh, to Cleveland. Uh, I thought I thought we should have played a little bit better, and I thought we really should have swept that game in Toronto. I mean, Severino, talk about a young kid who's pitching as hard as doing as much as he can. Very. Very little run support and a couple of poor defensive plays behind him. He's yet to see a win, but uh, yeah, so far I'm liking what I see this week. 
Well, you go back in time a little bit to the last time we talked when uh, Boston was in town, and then that followed up with the Toronto series, and uh, Severino made his debut against the Red Sox. And the thing with him is, you know, I can't remember a point in time where the Yankees would have ever let anyone, whether they're a starting pitcher or a position player, get called up and start a game against the Red Sox because of what the rivalry's been. And I always know, you know, they've tried to sort of skip guys along the way over years past, but they let Severino start against the Red Sox because of how bad they've been this season. And uh, he did well there. And then he followed that up with with another good performance. Um, and then in Cleveland, and then followed it up with yet another good performance in Toronto where he really should have had six shutout innings if not for the sun ball dropped by Carlos Beltran and what you've seen from this kid so far I mean to go five innings one run six innings two runs and then six innings three runs when it really should have been six inning no runs if the Toronto scorer had kept his decision up uh, I mean to, to watch him pitch every fifth day you know this is as excited as I've been for any Yankees pitcher in a while maybe since you know Tanaka first came here and I guess since Pineda has been healthy but even more so because because he's homegrown and wasn't traded for and wasn't signed off the free agent market. Well, you know, it really gave us the first um, big glimmer of hope after the trade deadline because, you know, obviously we held all the cards real close. So uh, you want to see what we got. And I think so far, um, you know, starting with the Severino experiment, uh, uh, it's been now kind of transitioning into the Greg Bird experiment. Um, you see that those are kind of paying off a little bit. So I think Yankee fans are starting to feel, feel a little bit of relief. You know, the greatest thing that you're seeing with these two kids, um, they're both young kids in Greg Bird and Severino, but you're seeing tremendous composure. You know, Severino's had a couple of hard, what you would quote-unquote hard luck starts, um, but he don't, you don't really let it see him affect him at all. Uh, he's coming out, he's a gamer, and, uh, you know, I am excited about seeing him every fifth. Now, and, and this is a very interesting question, what happens when Pineda comes back off the DL? Um, you know, who, who gets the boot? Where, where did this, where does this shifting go? Um, you know, does it become more of a competition or are they going to stick with a six man rotation? Um, you know, a lot of interesting questions, but, uh, it, it great things from Severino and again, great things from Greg Bird today. Uh, two big home runs. Great to see that swing at Yankee Stadium, man. And that is just, it's just a pretty, pretty swing. He's got some great power for a young kid and, and he's another one. Tremendous composure. Uh, he just looks so relaxed and, you know, even his his post game conference day, I caught it on my ride home, and he just sounds so chill and relaxed, like he's been here before. So uh, it's really great to see, and and it gives you a lot of hope for the future. You know, it makes you feel like the Yankees. I don't want to use the word core because it's so associated with the core <laughs> core, but you know, but you see the Yankees building a, a core uh, for future years uh, and future championships. So it's really it's really good to see. Well, last time we talked was a couple of weeks ago, right after the deadline, where we uh, talked about the Yankees keeping their prospects, not making any moves, and then uh, you know they they take two out of three that weekend against the White Sox. They come back, they take two out of three against Boston. Everything looks great, and then Toronto comes to town as hot as can be. The Yankees <laughs> score one run in three games. That's got to be you know given the setting and the, and the way the Yankees handled the trade deadline, that has to be the worst weekend at the stadium in a long time. Yeah, that was really not a lot of fun, man. I got to tell you, like, obviously I'm there every day, um, you know, and you live with the ebb and flow of what goes on inside the ballpark. And that was not only deflating uh, inside to watch where there's no offense. I mean, you know, a week before, um, you're scoring nine runs an inning. And you can't squeak a run across in three games. Uh, you know, it's so incredibly frustrating. And again, you know, from our, our 
point, you're know, like, is this to be the class? You know, and then you see what's going on. You see across town uh, with the Mets. They're getting hot. They're playing good <laughs> ball. Their first place team. Um, and, and you're like, whoa, wait, wait, it's supposed to be the other way. <laughs> you know, it's not supposed to happen that way. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it's exciting. It was an exciting week. And that's the best part, again, about the sport. You have ups and downs like this. You ride them all out. Uh, and it was still in first place. And March goes on, you know. Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, I mean, a couple of bad games, everyone starts to go the other way, and then a couple of good games like we've had over the last few days, and people start to do a 180. And I feel like that's you know the biggest difference in baseball is how the, the game can swing and player seasons can swing uh, just from week to week. And you look at the Yankees before the deadline, they had a seven-game lead in the division, and that got down to a half a game, and now it's uh, back up to a game and a half and three in the loss column to Toronto because they lost to the Phillies tonight. And things change so quickly but I feel like a, a lot of the way that you know sort of sports media is handled today and the way people write in uh, mainstream media or handle things on television or on the radio everything's so reactive to what's happened you know what have you done for me lately whether that was two seconds ago or three days ago and and to hear WFAN today about 90 minutes after the game and a caller uh, telling Mike Francesa that Greg Bird could be the next Mickey Mantle I think just sort of uh, epitomizes what sports media especially in New York is like during baseball season. You know, it's really crazy because the tweets were coming in immediately to me too. When when are the great bird chants coming out? I mean, <laughs> it, it's like like three games. Give me give me a break. You know, uh, it, it's exciting to see you take everything with a grain of salt. You know, you want to have uh, exciting prospects for the future. You hope this kid stays healthy, stays with the team. Uh, we can retain control of this contract as he progresses, and you know he could be a vital part of our organization. That's what you hope for. You know, you, but how many times have you seen this happen where a kid comes up to hit the ball for like a month, you know, and then disappears, you know, Shane Spencer, you know, how many times you see that come up around, especially in our organization, you know, a flash in the pan, and it doesn't necessarily just need to be a hitter. Aaron Small did the same thing on the other side, you know, as a pitcher. You come up, you have a brilliant month and a half. And everybody thinks you're you know, the next coming, and then wait, wait, what happened to that guy? <laughs> um, you know, I don't, I don't really think that. I certainly don't think that's the case here. I mean, he's obviously a high, highly touted prospect. Um, you know, we're really looking forward to the future with him. But I mean, let it happen, man. Let, let the kid play. Let him experience, you know, some of the ups and downs that as fans we've been going through all year. Because um, he's been mashing the ball down in, in AAA. I got to see him um, two seasons ago when he was down with the River Dogs down in Charleston, uh, and he, during batting practice, he was just putting on a display, and that was two years ago. He was, like, what, 19? So, I, I, you know, you get tremendous prospects for the future. You're really, really, really excited, but you got to kind of look at what's really in front of you and take one day at a time. He's playing a very valuable role right now, um, and it's kind of fitting in nicely. Like, again, going back to the tweets uh, today, I got, like, six Wally Pip tweets today. <laughs> I right? love it. Like, like, yeah, I know you would, too, because, you know, it means the Texas going down. Right. <laughs> like, you know how it all goes full circle. So, right, Texas gets, gets hit on the leg. He's got this deep, deep bone bruise. He's going to be out for a couple of days. I don't really think this is ever going to be that type of situation where, you know, Teixeira, you'd never hear from again, and now it's the Great Bird era, and, you know, he rides off into the sunset. I, I really don't think it's just realistic. Um, you know, I think he's going to fill in a... a, a great hole right now. I hope he's very successful. 
in the role that we need him to fill right now. Uh, and you know, that's just going to pay off dividends for him in the future, especially with this organization. Well, you brought up a couple of points there, and one is uh, the Shane Spencer aspect of this thing, and I had him on the podcast a couple of months ago, and I had Shelly Duncan on last weekend, who was also in that Shane Spencer category exactly. of guys yeah. who were sort of in their late 20s when they emerged onto the scene and then sort of made a big splash and then sort of faded as time went on as the league adjusted to them, but like you said, Bird doesn't seem like that type of guy because he's 22, because he's such a highly touted prospect. Uh, there's more of a ceiling and a better future for him than there were for the other guys that sort of got called up later in their time, but um, you, you bring up the Wally Pip situation, and uh, a lot of people started to talk today about, you know, what if this kid does hit 12 to 15 home runs down the stretch here, and what if this does become a situation where you can't really take his bat out of a lineup that is so, you know, it, it's such a coin flip of whether this lineup will show up from game to game and score eight runs or one run or get shut out or put up a five spot in the eighth inning. And, uh, you know, you, you look no further than what happened in this twin series where they trailed in all three games and were able to come back and win. And uh, the biggest hit of the entire series has to go to A-Rod with the grand slam the other night. And people are talking about him and the fact that, you know, he's 40 years old. It's the dog days of summer. He's played pretty much every single game this entire season. And he breaks out with that grand slam there. And I think that just goes to show now if, if Bird can sort of give these guys a rest here uh, every three games or every so whatever it happens to be as the September call-ups come up, uh, he, he can play an integral part of this team, not only reaching the postseason, but being rested in the postseason. Absolutely. You know, it's a very valuable bat. And, yeah, that's a tremendous point. Those two guys who are, especially in the last week or so, when we were slumping a little bit, looked like they would benefit from a couple of days off. Uh, both Tex and A-Rod, uh, it looked like they were pressing a little bit. And, you know, we were talking about in the big hit conversation, you can't, you can't not mention Beltran, uh, out of nowhere, like super Mr. Clutch all of a sudden. Uh, but yeah, uh, go back to the Tashera A-Rod thing and, and needing days off. Um, yeah, I think that the Greg Bird bat, uh, flexibility is much better off the bench, uh, than where we were prior, which was, as you know, combination of Stephen Drew and Brendan Ryan, uh, which we talk about all the time. So, you know, it, it, it's sad when a 22-year-old prospect uh, lengthens your bench more than the two vets uh, that have been rotating out of your infield the entire season. <laughs> well, I know that, uh, you know, we've gone back and forth on uh, DD and his future, and he's picked it up. We talked about that last time. But, yeah, with Stephen Drew and Brendan Ryan, I mean, I know there's the rumors about the Ref Schneider attitude, uh, which we touched on last time. And, uh, you know, whether that's true or not, I feel like there has to be some truth to it at this point because I don't know <laughs> how is Stephen Drew and why, Brendan yeah, Ryan right. could keep and being the guys. Why they, like, why? What is going on right now? Like, why? Um, you know, the other day uh, – Brendan Ryan started at third base, gave Headley a night off. I was like, oh, oh, cool, he's useful there. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, uh, that's cool, pencil that down. He might be good in that spot once again, because you don't really see him used too much, um, you know, in a third base spot. Uh, so, yeah, you're trying to find why are these guys still here um, when the future seems to be, you know, right around the corner. Uh, I don't know. I really hope that's not the case with, you know, a bad attitude. You always hate to see that. Um, uh, again, I really don't know what goes on behind closed doors. I, I would hate to even speculate on something like that. Um, but you know, you, you got to assume they know more than we do. You know, and that, that's one of those things. You just they, they got to know more than we do. And I'm sure when the time comes, he's going to make his uh, you know appearance on on our roster and 
hopefully if one of those two other guys get the old <laughs> DFA. <laughs> <laughs> the DFA waiting list. Has every, we've pretty much gotten everybody but those one of those two, right? Yeah, and they've been out the whole season, and I feel like Drew has had so many points where he is down to the final straw, and then he hits a home run, and then he gets another yeah, yeah, three yeah, weeks, yeah, yeah. and then he hits a home run, and it just seems like all, I don't know, I think he has like 12 or 13 home runs. They've all come at a time where it seemed like he was just about to be gone off the team, right. and then he does something, and he did it you know, a few games ago, and then he went 0 for 10, and then he hits a home run, and then he'll go 0 for 12 and do something, and it just seems like right when he's about to be gone, he, he finds a way to stay alive. He yeah, he earns himself another spot, you know, it's one of those mysteries, man. Yeah, I don't, like I said, I don't get it either. Um, you know, I, I want to see some of these young kids up here uh, just as much as everybody else does. Um, and, and like I said, it, it gives you something to be excited about. Uh, it, yeah, I hope that, that shifts very soon. Yeah, and it's not even like it's a situation where, uh, like, say, Beltron was struggling, which he hasn't been of late, but say he was struggling, but he was still, you know, doing the... Say he's hitting 250 with... You know his his somewhat decent power numbers, and everyone's calling for Aaron Judge to come up, and maybe he's not ready. That's one thing, but I mean, we saw Ref Schneider for four games, and and at worst, he, if he could, if he is the worst possible prospect the Yankees called up in forever, he's still yeah. just doing the same job the other two are doing. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, it's, again, it's it's one of those things. Like, yeah, I just don't know, man. I wish I had an answer for that. You know. Like, it's one of those mysteries of the universe, man. I don't know what goes on in that war room, um, you know, or, or what they talk about or, or what they know that we don't. Um, but, yeah, something's going on. Maybe he's got some, somebody's got some incriminating photos of somebody else. Or something. <laughs> I don't know. Some blackmail stuff going on. I don't know. <laughs> At this point, you can speculate anything, right? No, I, I agree. And I just, it just seems like, I don't, I don't know, maybe they're waiting finally to have September call up so they can have all three of them on the roster so they don't, you know, have to sacrifice one of them, lose one of them, which was sort of the reasoning Cashman gave around the deadline was that he wanted to keep right, his right. assets as if they're really assets. But, um, there has to be. Well, once that came, once that time came and passed. Exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and then we, you know, and speaking of the timing, you know, like that, that time passed. Uh, coinciding with a little bit of a slump, which cost up a, a big portion of our lead in the division. I mean, I, at some point you're still looking at it like, okay, we're still playing with house money. Anytime you're up, whether it's a seven-game lead or a one-game lead, you're still up. I, I guess you could always look at it like that uh, and go at it with that theory. That's not my personal theory. Um, but, you know, then again, I don't, I don't sit in the dugout. Well, in the last few days, especially in Toronto and then the other night against Minnesota, so really three of the last six games, you want to say, Carlos Bell trying to show what he could do in this big spot. And the Yankees signed him, uh, you know, maybe about eight, nine years too late when they wanted to back in 05. But uh, they got him, and he's supposed to be the anti-Nick Swisher in the playoffs. And I I wanted to ask you this because I don't think we've ever talked about this, but, you know, you and Swisher and and the right field bleacher creatures and Swisher always had that nice rapport and uh, the Swisher salute and all that. And then the Yankees just played Cleveland where he's no longer, and they'll play him again this week at home now that he's with the Braves, who they'll see next weekend but 
the the final days of Swisher in the Bronx, and I, I feel like it's sort of gone under the radar and forgotten at this point, but during the ALCS against the Tigers when he turned on you guys, and now to have, have Beltron, who, if we get to October, is supposed to be sort of the anti-Swisher, uh, you know, what is the, the sort of relationship at this point if Swisher was to come back to the Bronx? I know he's been there since with the Indians, but um, just to see him, you know, no longer there and they just played the Indians and he wasn't there and they'll see him next week on the road, but, you know, I don't think we've ever talked about since that happened almost three years ago. The Swisher situation was more um, in the newspaper than in real life. You know, he never really threw us under the bus. Uh, after that whole thing happened, uh, that was really like a headline from one of the beat writers who I will tell you uh, privately after this conversation. <laughs> and because it's really it's it's irrelevant at this point. I mean, it's three years later, you know, it was it was a silly thing to get clicks. You know how the, how the business works. You know, uh, here is a fun, jovial rice younger who has this great rapport with the bleacher creatures, and you know where we sit. You know where the bleacher creatures are. You know we're not that. Excuse me, that first section that's directly behind him. Um, so you know that that's not. Immediately off the bat, you know that's not what it was about. It had nothing to do with us um, because we're much further back. Uh, Nick and I and Nick and Joanna and I had several conversations after that um, for years. <laughs> you know, we talk about it all the time. They are super, super cool. We never had any real animosity between him and us and the group. There was never any of that. Sure, Yankee fans were mad, definitely. Uh, did they have right to voice their opinion? A hundred percent. Absolutely. Did he ever turn on the bleachers? Never. Uh, you know, he's been back a bunch of times. We've always shouted him out. Uh, yeah, friends of friends, baseball, silly baseball stuff, the silly baseball stuff, you know, all that stuff transcends. Um, going to our current right fielder, you want to talk about the anti-Nick Fisher? Jeez Louise, man, that guy's barely, you, you know, you get a, a smile out of that dude <laughs> in right field. You know what I mean? Like, I remember Swiss would come out, and I'd be like, yeah, Swiss, my mom's here. And he would turn around and take his top off, be like, hi, mom, you know? Like, <laughs> you could yell for yeah. hours at Beltran, and he, doesn't, he does not move. But, yeah, you want to talk about the anti-Swisher, that, that, that's definitely him. Um, but, yeah, I'm very excited to see the bat come alive in clutch situations. They've been very important home runs now. I want very important home runs when they're like really important. That makes you the anti-Swisher, you know what I mean? When you come through then, uh, you know, and, and it's funny that this comes up today because uh, Yankee season ticket holders, I don't know if you've checked your emails today, uh, you got your uh, playoff ticket invoice uh, in, in your box today. So they're looking for money already. So we're, 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 yeah, you know what I mean? And so we're setting up, if you're, you're setting your playoff plan and, and you're talking about those important games, um, yeah, that, that's really where I want to see it come through. And uh, these big at-bats now are really helping us get to that important playoff spot. So, um, yeah, nobody's running away with it. That's for sure. I'm always happy that uh, 
I don't have the the relationship that you know you have with Swisher. Or you've had with some of the guys in the past. I remember when Burnett wanted you guys to do roll call once, and you had talked to him. And it, I'm glad I have that separation because I would feel bad saying some of the things or writing some of the things I, I write about them. And I, you know, if they ended up being a nice guy, I'd be like, oh, I, I can't write that today or something. But I, I'm glad I have that separation because you know the, all the stuff that I've ever said about Swisher, and now you, you know, talk glowingly about him. I, I feel like it would ruin that for me. You know, it's it's completely different because I don't have to show a bias. I am supposed to be the biggest homer on the face of the planet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is my team. These are my boys. They're always going to be my boys, whether they're my boys or not. You know, and never, ever, ever in my entire life have I ever kept tabs on any other team other than the Yankees, except for the last couple of years when friends, and I, like, you know, like, it's weird to say, like, like, friends people I've been friendly with are playing with other teams. And it's not just the Swishers or the AJ or Russell Martin or Chazelle or Preston Claiborne or Jabba or Isaac D. Rob. I mean, you know, it's crazy. Like these guys who we've been able just because of what we do, um, you know, the fundraising stuff, the hope stuff, all the, the great charity things we've been fortunate to be a part of. Um, that's really how we, we've been involved with all these guys. And, you know, to see them move on and still want to see them do well uh, is really something new for me. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I've always been, I, I hate everybody, man. I always hated everybody. You trying to beat me? I hate you. You know, now <laughs> it's a little different. You know, like I want your team to lose, but I kind of want to see you do all right, man, because I know you're, you're, you're a really down to earth, all right, real, real person. You know what I mean? You always uh, see these things and, you know, there's, there's so much talk lately about, you know, the public, what public people, you know, your public view of certain athletes. You know, we talk about it a lot with the A-Rod stuff. Um, but, it, you know, there's a conversation recently that came up, um, you know, about Reggie Jackson. Like, what do people think about Reggie? So, you know, again, going back to, you know, what the public people, public perception of some of these athletes are uh, and, and how that kind of transcends into you know, general everyday life uh, of these people being, you know, normal people that you know people seem untouchable but they're, they're really not they're just just normal people looking you know, to, to do whatever with their lives well, this weekend at the stadium uh, to finish off this, uh, or not really finish off because the Astros are the beginning of the week, but this weekend at the stadium there's uh, Jorge Posada Day to retire number 20 on Saturday and then Andy Pettit Day to retire number 46 on Sunday. And I know for you personally it's not exactly Bernie Williams and retiring number 51 yeah. day, but these days have to be uh, up there for you and uh, you know your, your prime as a Yankees fan and, and as a Yankees fan and the role they played. Of course, and you know, without a doubt, uh, you know, for a generation of Yankee fans, that's a, a those two guys certainly are major parts. You know, they encapsulate a lot. Again, I hate to go back to, you know, the relationships I have with these guys, but I've been fortunate enough to, to do some fundraising with Jorge, and he is an awesome, awesome guy. His whole family is fantastic. So when you see something like this happen, yeah. You might, everyone's like, oh, you know, he had that little kissy fit against the Red Sox. Remember when he was <laughs> that ninth? Yeah, you know what, man? Dude, I had bad days, too. And believe me, I can get behind him because I've had that exposure that most people kind of wouldn't, you know, where you realize that, it, you know, it's a, it's a job for these guys, and they take it very, very seriously. He's a very intense dude. I'm a very intense dude. I can 
totally relate, you know? And same thing with Andy. I had the honor of seeing him uh, at our very first Hope Week event uh, in 2010 on the field, and I went up to him, and I'll tell you exactly what I told him because uh, I replay in my mind all the time. Uh, I told him it was, it was a pleasure to meet him, and I said that if there was ever a game and the outcome of that game meant I lived or died, <laughs> he, would start that, he would start that game for me. <laughs> and he was like, kind of taken aback. I mean, I, I guess, as I guess you kind of would be, you know, like, who the hell would ever say something like that to you? <laughs> you know what I mean? But he was like, wow, dude, that, that really means a lot. Like, he was, like, really genuinely flattered by it. And I thought that was so cool because, like, you know, how many times do you get complimented when you're a, a superstar? You know, you're, oh, I did this, and uh, my son thinks it's just like you, and this is just like, oh, my brother is just like you. But when you can do one of those and you actually get them to stop and sing and be like, oh, wow, man, that was a genuine compliment, maybe in a weird, sadistic, kind of strange way, uh, but, you know, they, they can relate to you for that moment, and that's, you know, kind of seeing past the stare with Andy, you know, and... I, again, really happy for both of these guys for this weekend. Definitely feeling like the end of these celebratory days. I'm kind of happy for that until we do uh, the, the last couple next year uh, with Cheater and Tori, I guess. And uh, Yeah, so see what happens. It should be a fun weekend at the stadium. We started this uh, at the beginning of the season before opening day talking about what would happen this season, and uh, we didn't really know what to expect from this team. But at the end of the day, they're the Yankees, and they're you know the team we root for, so we expected them to be in contention and give us a summer to hope for. And now that they did, and and at one point you know having their seven eight game lead in the East, and then having it dwindle because of the Blue Jays' deadline moves and their hot streak of late, um, and then sort of some people started to say, hey, you know, well if the Yankees get the wild card and they, and they blow the division, you know, it's still better than what people thought they would do before the season and what experts picked them to do. And I, I disagreed with that because I felt like who, how do you determine what an expert is and who cares what anybody says? They're still the Yankees. They still have the payroll. They still have the talent to compete. And at one point they had a lead. So if they blew it and had to settle for the wild card game, to me, it would be a disaster. Um, now, now with it, yeah. And now with a two game lead in the division, three in the loss column, next to the, the win on Wednesday afternoon, the blue Jays loss on Wednesday, Wednesday night to the Phillies, um, they're starting to get at least a little separation of what they had a few days ago. But, you know, if this thing came down to the to them playing a one-game playoff either at, at Yankee Stadium or at Houston or at the Angels, I mean, to me, that's a disaster given where they were three weeks ago. Definitely. That, I would definitely view that as a disappointment as well. I mean, it's not just getting there. It, it's kind of how you get there. And I think, you know, what your opinions are at the beginning uh, and the way they have Proven your opinion, our opinions all wrong. Um, yeah, it, it's past the point of being streaky. It's past the point of being a fluke. It's past the point of playing above your potential. It's past the point of nobody else playing up to their potential. Uh, we're a legit team. You see that there's a threat uh, in our lineup one through nine when they're all firing. Uh, that's how you score ten runs an inning. You know, it's, it's not just the top four guys which were carrying us for a little while. Uh, you know, it's the bottom half of the order to, you know, contributing as well. So starting to see that, uh, and, and you realize that they're, they're a strong team and we should be winning and we should have a substantial lead. And yes, we still have several games against the Blue Jays and we could still put this away, uh, with a sizable lead and, and win the division handily, which I still think is going to happen. Um, again, the, the length of the season and the streakiness, it just, it just was bad timing. Uh, you know, it, Let's look back to, like, 
season. I'm really terrible with history, but I want to say it was like 2007. Uh, the Nets had a seven-game lead going into September, uh, and they missed the playoffs completely. That's classic. That's choking. Um, I don't think that's – I don't really foresee that happening with this organization this year. Um, it was it, – based on timing, it was late July, early August. Um, you know, it's not September baseball yet. I'm, I, I wouldn't throw out my hands and worry about that, but yeah. If we didn't win the division uh, or make it to the playoffs, you know, handily, I, I would just sit in that at this point. Yeah, and after this 10-game homestand, uh, you know, a- as of Thursday's game against the Indians, there's really six weeks left of the season, 43 games, and after the 10-game homestand, um, they'll return for, uh, you know, a t- another 10-game homestand in the beginning of September, and then yeah. a seven-game homestand, or no, a little longer than that, um, an eight-game homestand at the end of September, and that's it for the homestand, so we only have a few more podcasts before we'll do our postseason ones, but it's sort of at yeah. the crunch time now, the home stretch, six weeks left in the season, the division's on the line uh i think it's a good time to sort of get a check on you know the confidence level of yankees fans so you know one is this season's an absolute disaster they're they're you know they're in the red sox position which is obviously not possible would be a one and 10 would be like uh you know they're they're running away with this thing what's your confidence level right now and how this team you know how you've seen them so far how you'll see them over the next six weeks and how you'd feel about this team in a playoff series i give us a solid seven right now you know, I, 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 we're not flying the flag. We're obviously not running away with it. Um, had we taken care of business against Toronto a week and a half ago, um, that might have been the case. And had we had this podcast a week ago, uh, my rating might not be as high. Um, <laughs> so who knows? You know what I mean? But, you know, talking about it right now today, uh, coming off the Minnesota suite, feeling really good, feeling confident about the pieces that we have in um, you know, not getting down about it to share injury because you have a substitute that's coming in so well. Not getting down about the pain of the injury because you have a substitute that's coming in so well. Um, so right now I'm feeling pretty good. Solid seven, you know. Again, as we progress into September, uh, some of the roster moves can give us a little bit more flexibility. We get Pineda back if he's healthy and dominant. Uh, to share this a little, bit, a little bit of rest. Uh, A-Rod gets a little bit of rest. I think Heavy deserves a couple more days off. Uh, I like that confidence, and I like uh, that confidence going into the final seven games of this homestand, and uh, a few more lengthy homestands after this, so we'll we'll be in touch, because as long as we've done this, they've sort of, you know, not only stayed afloat, but been in first place most of the season, so... Uh, <laughs> It's good to talk to you again, and uh, for anyone listening once again, uh, you can visit Vinny at uh, Bald Vinny's House of Tees on River Ave outside Billy Sports Bar before and after every Yankees home game. Vin, thanks again for coming on. All right, thanks for having me, guys. Talk to you soon.